All right, welcome to uh, the bye week. Uh, came off the Alabama loss. We got some good stuff in the next hour, hour and a half. Uh, we got former uh, – uh, he dropped the ball on that one, I guess. Uh, we got former uh, UT uh, quarterback Brian Maurer. Um, he's going to answer some questions for us. We're going to have some fun here. Ask about his career, uh, his uh, UT career, maybe what's going forward. Ask about the Pruitt era. But uh, – Let's get it going. Paul, buddy, you're up. So, Brian, my, one of my main questions I wanted to ask you is just how – what was it like being recruited by Tennessee, especially Jeremy Furrett? Obviously, you know, he's not here anymore, but, like, we didn't really ever get a taste of how he recruited. So, just kind of curious how that went. Um. Yeah, no. Um. Obviously, I'm from Ocala, Florida, which is about 30 minutes from Gainesville or so. Um, so I never really, you know, Butch Jones kind of, um, told me that, you know, they weren't looking at a quarterback at the time that he was here. And then right when Pruitt got here, I would, I think I was like the second or third quarterback he offered probably. And, um, you know, throughout that, I, I committed here pretty quickly just because I realized it was a once in a lifetime opportunity, not only for myself, but my family as well. Um, I'm a first generation college student in my family. So, um, you know, being able to, ha I had that opportunity to come to such a traditional school and, you know, play in front of some of the best fans in the country. It was, it was one I couldn't, uh, you know, uh, pass up. And, you know, uh, Pruitt kind of recruited just like every other coach you're going to recruit. Um, you know, coaches are going to sell you a lot of stuff. They're going to say a lot of things. Um, and, but you have to be, as, as the recruit, uh, one thing that I wish that I knew was what I knew now you know, how everything was going to pan out. And, um, you know, I don't have any regrets about anything that I did while I was at Tennessee or, you know, anything like that. So, you know, Pruitt was a great recruiter. The staff that was there was uh, great at recruiting. Um, and, you know, I wish nothing, nothing but the success where wherever they're at now. So kind of talking about you, you're a freshman, you're going into the Georgia game, your first start. We found out Friday morning or Friday night that you were starting. When did you know you were starting, and how prepared did when you? When y'all found out, y'all, you found out when we did. Yeah. So, um, kind of leading up to the game, I had a little bit uh, of knowledge about it. Um, you know, in the bye week, I took most of the reps, and then in um, <clears throat> and going into Georgia week, I took most of the reps. But you know, nothing was said. Nothing was, you know. Um, told um you know we kind of went about it like a normal week of practice me and jg were sharing the one reps um and then friday night we're at the team meal and uh, my phone buzzes and i think it's just my family text me saying hey we're here and um it's espn saying breaking news uh true freshman brian Mauer is gonna be starting and when i tell you my jaw probably dropped to the ground i was like that's crazy because I, di I didn't know um you know nobody really knew and you kind of just see everybody start like their heads kind of start turning. And I'm like, look, I don't know. I know just as much as you guys do. So, um, no, nah, but I mean, I, it was, it was a, um, a blessing in disguise, you know, um, obviously I played against the bulk of our, um, SEC schedule that year. And, um, you know, it was just, it was really good. It was really good for me. And I you know I'm glad I was able to do what I was able to do for the team. I'm going to go ahead and pass it on. Thank you, Brian. Yes, sir. 
Thank you for joining us tonight, Brian. So my question, well, I have several, but one thing I wanted to hear about was your perspective on the locker room dynamic when you were at UT, such as the expectations level and like team cohesiveness, what they expected of you guys, um, and if you felt like you guys were up to their expectations and how the locker room environment was. Um, yeah, the locker room environment was always good, you know, when Pruitt was here and even now that hype was here, um, you know, we're, we're 120 guys from the ages of 18 to 23, 24, I want to say. And so, you know, being that we're all growing together and that we're all in the same environment and doing the same things and going through what the person to your left and to your right is going through it, um, you know, it allows us to grow and to, to bond together. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of the guys on the team live with each other um, and stuff like that when you move off campus. And obviously, you live with another football player in the dorms. But, um, you know, locker room cohesiveness was – it was it was great. Um, you know, everybody was close. There wasn't – I would say that there's not a person that ever probably felt like they were left out. Um, you know, the expectations were sky high. I mean, it's Tennessee. Um, you know, obviously, the expectations are always going to be high here. They're never gonna drop, you know. Even in a in a drought, they're not gonna drop. The fans expect nothing but the best. So, it, following up on that, do you have or can you remember any specific issue that may have caused drama or division when you were there, or did everything, for the most part, seem to flow at least in the locker room and on the football field? Um, yeah, no, there was no, no really incidents where, you know, people got to bickering and got to fighting in the locker room or outside of the locker room. Obviously, you know, you're going to have incidents on the field, on the practice field. That's just because, you know, we're, we're all given everything we have every play. And, you know, um, some people just have shorter tempers or stuff like that. And you never know when someone's going to snap. But um, there was never really incidents where you ever saw or heard people fighting or stuff like that. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to let DR go on with his question. What's going on, Brian? If you can't hear me, just let me know. I'm on a new device. So one thing I, I've admired about you is I think you would have been good on like the Squid Games or like Harry Potter. Like you're very cryptic with your tweets. The, the yeah. coaches, like I know like at my job, they're like, you know, stay the hell off Facebook, you know, don't get on Twitter, stuff like that. Our coaches real anal about social media like do they have some guy making like minimum wage or volunteering watching y'all and it's like is that a policy in the sec kind of thing um yeah no they're they're um they're on you about social media and that was one thing that during this time that i've been off of football was um i knew i really needed to work on um you know i was very immature with some of the stuff that i've done and some of the stuff that i said but um you know there's always some things that you do out of anger and stuff like that. And that's probably what I, what I did most of the time was I either I posted out of anger or, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think before I, I press the send button and, you know, kind of following up with your, um, you know, if they have someone kind of watching it. Um, I feel like they do, but you don't know. Like we obviously have um, people who talk to the media and stuff like that. And I think I want to say it's him. Um, 
I think Bill Martin is still at Tennessee. So I want to say it's him that kind of does that stuff or, you know, our, um, our director of uh, creative content kind of does stuff like that as well. I got you. And follow up and it's kind of bouncing off Paul. Now, a lot of things we heard when we hired Hopple was he recruited you out of Central Florida. Is that right? Yeah. So was you excited about that when you heard about that? Or, I mean, it's got to be kind of weird that you're like, well, you know, I like you, but I'm going to pick this guy over you. And then he ends up, he's your coach. Um, no, it wasn't, it wasn't weird. Um, you know, I, um, I talked to them for a while before I, I chose, um, Tennessee and I'm trying to figure out how to word this because it's kind of a touchy subject right now for me. Um, yeah, it was tough. You know, I was really close with uh, Coach Heupel and Coach Levy, who's now the offense coordinator at Ole Miss when they were at UCF. And I remember kind of, you know, they recruited me really hard. And then Tennessee came into picture. And I kind of, on my first visit, I fell in love with Tennessee and everything about it. And I remember um, me and my head, my head coach in high school, I, I broke it down to two teams. It was UCF and Tennessee. And we sat there, we made a pros and cons list, and they were both the same. And the, the thing that I kind of said that was going to put Tennessee above UCF was uh, coach longev coaching longevity. And I knew Pruitt was in his first couple of years. I think, he was, I think it was his second year when I came in here. And I knew the hype was a great head coach and that Levy was a great offense coordinator. And I knew that by the time I graduated, they wouldn't be there just because they were so good at what they do. And so it was kind of, it was kind of a weird situation with how everything worked out, you know. Um, but, you know, God, God has a plan for everything. And, you know, I'll never question him. Well, you were right on that. So if I can get with you about my sports bets and uh, we'll talk from there. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to move on to Leland. So I'm going to uh, back my question up all the way to 2018. Um, so people at the end of that season started getting fans, especially. And if you know me on social media, then, uh, you know, me especially started getting, we all started getting restless with Garantano, right? So yeah. we roll into 2019, two bad losses. Okay. Uh, looks like we played Chattanooga win. We lose to Florida. Your first start was Georgia. Um, the the first couple of drives, we were on cloud nine when you had those two touchdowns. Like, I yeah. remember being at freaking Wild Boar with a bunch of rednecks just jumping up and down. And um, the game didn't go like we all wanted it, obviously. But I always felt like that JG had a ceiling, and he reached that ceiling. And I've always believed if you had – and we had multiple freshmen. We had you and Shrout. I've always believed that those guys had the potential. Now, they might go out and throw four picks. You guys might go out and throw four picks, but you also have the ability to throw four touchdowns, right? And after so long of Garantano between that time period, I would have rolled with one of you guys and let's say, hey, let's get these growing pains over with and let's, let's, let's develop these guys for the next two or three years and let's roll. So, um, one of my favorite, one of my favorite underrated games, I call it underrated games because it, it really wasn't like a typical Florida win or Georgia win, but 
an underrated game that I had so much fun at was the Mississippi State game. So you got your second start, uh, and I've always looked for – we always wanted – at that time we wanted a spark. We wanted something, right? We got yeah. the spark with you against Georgia. So um, so Mississippi State rolls around, another spark. We end up winning the game, whatever. You end up getting hurt. Um, so I'm not going to sugarcoat this question much. By the way, you started at Alabama. You had a couple drives there in Alabama. That was the JG over the top um, – over the top of the goal line. So I'm not going to sugarcoat this question much. So I'm just going to flat out say it. Why was there such a love fest with JG uh, when, when there was probably more talent on the bench and, and, and a higher ceiling? Um, that's, that's a really, that's a really good question, but um, JG is one of the most talented guys I've ever been around. And I'm not going to sugarcoat that at all. Um, he's got a live arm. He's big. He can he can move pretty well for his size, but on top of that, he's also probably the smartest guy I've been around as well. Um, you know, Cheney came in and it probably took me. I probably honestly I probably didn't even have the offense mastered by the end of my freshman year. Um, JG mastered it in about three months. Um, you know, there's certain things with experience like that. Um, you know, JG's, JG's my was my best friend when he was here. He's gone. I still try to talk to him every day. You know, get a couple of Facetimes in when we can. Get the, get on the phone. Um, but I don't think there was a talent gap. I think it was a processing. Maybe I I um, I couldn't tell you. Um, but you know, one one thing that about me is that I don't fear anybody. I don't fear anything. Like. I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna give my all, regardless of what happens, regardless of whether we win, we lose, whether we're down 50 or we're, we're up 50. I'm gonna keep playing like it's a zero-zero ball game, and that's kind of just the mindset that I took into all four of my starts that I had my freshman year. And I don't know what the mindset of the others were, but that was my mindset, and I feel like that's why i was able to bring us kind of a spark and you know, i look everybody everybody always asks at the beginning of the season oh you know what game are you looking you most looking forward to and oh, my answer is always all of them i hate everybody just as much as you know tennessee hates alabama or georgia hates florida and stuff like that like i hate everybody just as much like every game is a rivalry game to me uh there was a i've heard this from numerous places but since you're on here i'll ask you um, I've heard you've had like eight concussions in your career. Is that true? Uh, that's something I'd probably rather not say. Um, okay. okay. I got you. I got you. No, know, the, 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 the Tennessee thing was kind of a, a longer one. Um, going in Mississippi state, I also got the concussion and then leading up to Bama, I felt like I was ready to play. You know, I got all the reps I needed, did all the therapy I needed. And then Obviously, the freak play happened where I got hit and I landed on um, my offensive tackle's knee, and that happened. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't kind of count my injuries. Um, you know, if they happen, they happen. You know, I grow from it and I move on. One, one more thing. We'll move on to Paul. Uh, at the beginning of the 2020 season, with COVID and all that, was was there an open competition at QB, or were you flat out told this is JG's job? Um. I was kind of out of it for a while, to be honest. Um, not a lot of people know this, but I had two knee surgeries that off season. 
So um, I had one in January and then I had one in May. Coming back from the one in May, going into fall camp. And, you know, it was obviously it was a battle. Um, every Everything is a battle in college football. You never know when your job's going to get taken. You never know when something's going to happen. So um, going in, you know, there's four of us. I think Harrison got contact tracing, wasn't there, three of us. Harrison comes back. We're doing a two-minute drill. I run out of the pocket and I pull my hamstring. Three days later, I get COVID. So then I'm out for 14 days. So, I mean, it was you, you couldn't have a battle in that situation. I mean, you know, obviously, would, would you have liked to have one? Yeah. But in the kind of conditions we were in, you kind of couldn't. Gotcha. Paul, buddy, you're up. So I kind of have a question about Pruitt's personality just because of how how different it is from Hypo. Like we see that Hypo's bringing back alternate uniforms. He's checkering, kneeling and stuff. Was that ever a conversation that you had with him? We're like, hey, coach, like, are we ever going to bring the alternate uniforms back or check or anything? Or was he kind of he kind of lay it down at the beginning? Like, hey, I'm a traditionalist. We're not going to do anything fun. Um, yeah, he's a traditional coach. He comes from the Saban family. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of those coaches that come from the Saban fam family are the way that Saban is. But that was never really a conversation with me, with him. Um, you know, I didn't really care about uniforms or stuff like that. I wanted to be able to, to grow as a person and play football. So, um, you know, honestly, is it really cool? Yeah. But is it going to help me play better? Probably not. So it's something that I never really talked about with him or the coaches. Um you know, it proves personality is pretty, it's pretty funny, to be honest. He can crack a joke from time to time. And, but then you also know it's, it's also seriousness when you need to be serious. But when, when it's time to have fun, he knows how to, to relax and wind down. And kind of piggybacking off that question, Hypo comes in, you battle it out for the starting job. We, as fans, we still had no idea. It could have been either four of you guys. Did Hypel tell you that you were kind of out of it early, or did you think you had it right up until you transferred? Um, this is a tricky question. I don't, I don't know how to answer this one. I'm gonna do my best with it. Um, obviously, I was cut out of the competition, and um. You can you can leave it at that if you if you don't feel uncomfortable. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, no, I'm shocked. I mean, this is kind of emotional for me just because of how it happened and how everything played out. Um, now I'm trying to kind of hold my emotions back because I, I mean, I still I love Tennessee. Like Tennessee's been my home for three years now. Like I rarely go home because I like Tennessee. Like, um, um, I was cut out of the competition. Um, you know, it wasn't my choice to miss practice. Um, obviously, I, I, a lot of stuff to process in that time period where you get cut out of a competition, then the next day you got to go back to practice. So for me, it was kind of just about getting my mind right. Um, you know, I wanted to come back, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay, yeah, uh, I'll go ahead and hand it over to Love. I just wanted to comment on that. Um, I really appreciate you being this on this side can't imagine how hard it is to answer some of these questions um and i just wanted to say like i'm sure it was extremely difficult not only to deal with that situation you were put in 
but also with COVID and all the new restrictions um, and just the emotional toll it really takes, it took on everybody, whether it was personal, sports, academic. I mean, everyone's flipped upside down. So I just wanted to say thank you for being honest with us on that. I'm going to try and turn it around, flip the script, do something happy. Um, and I want to know what your favorite either day or memory was like while you were on campus. What was like your bet your favorite day? Um really? It it was after the Georgia game when um sorry, Zoo, stop it. When um, you know, I got on my phone and I saw the video ESPN put out on my and that kind of it takes a lot to make me cry. Um, obviously, I, I kind of went through a lot in my, in my life. Um, you know, I didn't cry when I found out my dad was going to prison. You know, I didn't cry for a lot of things, but that uh, that made me cry. And, um, you know, because all I've ever wanted to do in my life is to make my family happy. So that was probably my favorite moment was kind of I, I was obviously I was a freshman. So I went I kind of went back to my dorm. Um, in Stokely Hall, and I kind of just sat there, and I actually I got chills right now just kind of thinking about it. And I went on my phone, and I saw the video, and I just saw her reaction. And I was like, "That's what I do it because if I'm able to see that every Saturday, then that's that's honestly that all I care about. I don't care about anything else. It's just making my family happy." I love that. That's great. Um, one other thing, while we're on that topic, what was like your craziest or most interesting um fan interaction that you've had um i'm trying to, there's been a couple crazy ones you know um i feel like probably the craziest one was when someone asked me to sign their baby <laughs> find the baby's like arm and it was i think it was after the mississippi state game or after the georgia game okay so, i was like that's wild. Like, I ain't never experienced that. Um, growing up in Ocala, you know, football is not really that big there. A lot of kids don't go to college for football. Um, so I got here, and then it was just overwhelming love. And I was like, really? Like, the arm? Like, I got a piece of paper or something? And they were like, no, like, just sign her arm. And I was like, okay, like, I guess. So I'd probably say that had to be my craziest one. Um, you know, no one's really ever come up to me and been like mean to me. So that's probably that that probably will, if that ever happened, I'd probably be the craziest, but <laughs> Okay. Well I'm glad no one was mean to you. Uh DR, you can go ahead. I'm I'm glad Lowe kinda made it a little more lighthearted. It was getting so deep in here. I felt like I was at the bottom of the sea with the Titanic. Um, Brian, I gotta ask you, man, about the Mississippi State game. It, when you landed like that, the way you're back bent, I mean, you look like you're forming the C in the YMCA. And if your legs little, went a little bit further, you probably could have made a lowercase a. Do you remember probably. that? Yeah, so um, it's pretty funny. I mean, I didn't know I had a concussion. Um, I remember landing, and that's all I remember, until we got in the locker room, or until I got to the sideline. Sorry, and then – I threw the red zone interception, bad throw on me, terrible decision. And I go back to the sideline and, 
you know, Pruitt and Winky are talking to me, trying to ask me what's going on. And like, I'm just like, I feel like I'm just like looking off into the distance and Winky goes, you okay? And I'm like, I have no clue where I'm at right now. Like, I didn't know where I was, like what day it was, who we were playing, like none of that. And they were like, yeah, you got a concussion. And I, I actually, I was low key pissed. I wanted to keep playing, but that, that, that was probably the craziest play I've ever been a part of in football in my 14 years of playing was doing the ridiculousness scorpion in front of 102,000 people. Yeah, you're the scorpion king that day, man. I'll never forget watching that, thinking, man, we get a quarterback and he just died on the field like that. Yeah, that, right. that means that, I, I still see tweets about it to this day. You know, a lot of people send me stuff like that. Like, uh, so like, like I said earlier, like I don't have my any my, any of my um, social media notifications on. So I'll just get on Twitter and I randomly get a DM from my friend being like, look like they're, they're clowning you again. And it's just me making a scorpion. And I'm like, that's pretty funny. I can't even lie. <laughs> and a follow-up question to that, Brian, and you had talked about Pruitt. You said Butch recruited you. Do you ever hear from your old coaches, like just, hey, you know, happy Easter, happy Hanukkah, crap like that, from Butch or Pruitt? Um, the last time I talked to Pruitt was a time that I was going to enter the portal just because I didn't know who was going to call or who, or who they were going to call. Um, obviously, I wasn't with this new staff for long. So I was just kind of giving them a heads up, like, hey, like some people might call you or, you know, I was the same thing with Coach Linky. Um, but I'd probably say me and Coach Linky probably still talk a lot. Um, you know, obviously I didn't have a father figure for a while in my life. So when I got here, he stepped up in a big way for me and he really, you know, showed me how to be a good father and showed me how to do a lot of things that I, I really wouldn't have known otherwise. Um, you know, obviously I, I had a stepdad, but him and my mom split up when I was 13. So for the five years that before I got to college, I didn't really have anybody to show me the ropes. So I got you. Um, Leland. Uh, so me and me and my buddy, we've known each other since eighth grade, grew up um, playing football in high school. Us as grown ass men at the age of 33, we still play flag football. Um, not not to brag or anything, Brian, but I am a flag football quarterback champion. I just want to throw that out there to you. Um, but you offended me just a minute ago. You said uh, uniforms don't make you play better, but me and, a, me and my buddy has always said that the more armbands and the more visors and the more stuff you have on you automatically makes you run faster. So that's a, that's a fact that – Aerodynamics, I guess, but um, <laughs> uh, but, and, and, uh, but not to... as a player, you get you get hyped to see that type of stuff to to see a coach bringing in new stuff. Obviously, Tennessee hasn't worn black uniforms, and I well, I don't even think I knew what Tennessee was when the last time they wore like the fifties, I think, or something. I don't know when, but um, you know, obviously, as a player, you get hyped, and from a coach's perspective, you kind of um you make the players earn it. And, you know, I'm really proud of my former teammates. You know, they earned that. They earned it. They really did, you know, through the whole spring. You know, we have Tennessee has probably the thinnest roster in America. You know, they were hit with 30 transfers in offseason, some more during fall camp, some people being hurt. Um, 
and nobody ever complained. They just get back to work. Like that's just the mindset that Tennessee has. And that's, that's why I love Tennessee because that's my mindset as well. And um, they earn that as, as a player, you get excited and, I mean, it might make you play better, but me personally, I've never had an alter. I've never played an alter uniform. So, um, the the way you talk about Tennessee, I would assume that you've been a Tennessee fan since maybe you were a kid. So that that leads to my question now. Um, what's some of the? You're obviously younger than me, so my my fandom goes back to you know T. Martin, Casey Kloss, and all those guys. What's uh? It's a two part question. One, uh, what's some of the past teams? that you enjoyed watching maybe when you were a kid growing up, Tennessee teams, uh, some of the players that you liked, and what's what's somebody who you like to maybe model your game after? I know it's a typical cliche question, but who's somebody you look up to as far as your game? Um, no, I really wasn't a Tennessee fan growing up. Um, surprisingly, being 30 minutes from Gainesville, I wasn't a Florida fan either. I was an Oregon fan growing Uniforms, up. You know, right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Um, no, nah, but uh, someone I really try to model my game after, um, it's a lot of people, you know, um, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, um, Deshaun Watson, you know, I kind of feel like I play like him, which is being able to mobile and, you know, spread, spread the uh, ball around the field pretty well. Um, so a lot of people when they're off time, they don't bother football, but me, I'm always watching football, like. Whether I mean I wa- I probably watched that Peyton Manning documentary about Tennessee a solid twenty five times now, and um, that's who that's who I really modeled my game after. Especially when I got here, was just because I knew he had so much success here, and I knew what he meant to this program. And I tried to I wanted to be like him. Does um, shit? I forgot my thought. Paul, go ahead. So. You're a sophomore going into the 2020 season. Obviously, you have all the injuries, but once fall comes around, did Harrison Bailey ever, like – because I talked to Harrison one time after a game, and he just seemed like he was always trying to know more about football. Like, he just seemed like that kind of dude. But did that ever become a mentor thing, or was J.G. more of a mentor? Kind of describe your relationship with him. With Harrison or J.G.? Uh, Harrison. Um, yeah, it was, it was a mentor thing. Um, you know, when he got here, obviously he didn't know anything. He didn't know the playbook, um, stuff like that. And there's a, there's a funny story that me and JG always tell and, uh, JT Shroud as well. It was, we were in fall camp or I think it was actually spring, spring or fall camp. And we had switched, it was spring cause we had switched to a, uh, vocal cadence and Harrison just couldn't get it down. So we probably stayed for like 30 minutes after practice, just making them say green 80, green 80 set hut. And, you know, I kind of feel like he was, he was willing to do that. Um, you know, it might, might seem stupid to other people, but the fact that he was willing to do that showed a lot about him and showed a lot about his character as well. And obviously we'll talk about this a bit later in the show. It's one of our segments, but uh, Harrison announced that he was transferring from UT today. Did you guys ever talk about that? You know, I know since you transferred, did he ever ask you like his, your opinion about it or anything like that? Um, you know, me and Harrison weren't really close to be honest. Um, you know, we were, we were friends, but you know, we didn't, 
really hang out with each other, talk to each other off the, uh, at a locker room, or, you know, we would, we would see each other around campus and say what's up to each other. But um, you don't really talk about that when you're a player. Um, that brings drama. And that's something that you don't want to infiltrate the locker room is drama. Because that's one thing that can break up a team faster than anything is drama. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm happy for him that he's, that he's you know, made the decision. Um, obviously, a lot of all fans are going to be upset about it. But what a lot of people don't understand is we're trying to better our family when, when we make decisions like this. So if players feel that they're not going to play here or, you know, they talk to the coaches and the coaches even say, hey, you need to, you need to, it'd probably be best for you if you moved on. Um, I never understood the hate with people when a player transfers just because they're not going to their school anymore or something like that. But we're 19, 20, 21 year old kids who were trying to, our dream, our whole life has been to go to the NFL. So if we feel that we're not going to achieve that dream here, then we're going to obviously go try and achieve that dream somewhere else. Okay. Uh, I'll go ahead and give it to love. Just uh, kind of touching base on your answer. I think obviously we've, I can speak for everyone when everyone knows that Vol fans are passionate. And I do think I like your comment about that. Basically, I mean, it's a job to y'all, right? And everyone always says, like, if you aren't happy at your job, if you aren't happy in the situation, it's time to make a change. Um, and that's really no one's business. I mean, right, it's it's the person's business. They choose to leave. Yeah. And, you know, that's, you know, support them, wishing the best. Um, in terms of, I just want to touch, go back a little bit. I know you said that you were close with JG. Is there anyone else um, who has transferred that you were still super close with or that is still at the university that you feel like you're really close with your friends with? Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm close to a lot of people on the, on, on the team and former teams. Um, you know, this might make some people upset, but me and Henry are still best friends. Like it, um, it's really a brotherhood. Like when you come to Tennessee, you're in the brotherhood and whether you leave, whether you stay, you're going to be close with them forever. So, um, you know, I still talk to Joe. I still talk to Hendon. I still talk to Trey Flowers, uh, Ken George, you know, a, bu a bunch of players on the team that, um, you know, I'm going to talk to for the rest of my life just because it's, a, it's really a brotherhood, you know. I, I don't feel like a lot of other, you know, other universities have that. You know, a lot of people move on. and But, you know, I saw people text me every day asking me how I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, you know, what's going on. And even if I, I mean, I'm still at Tennessee. I still go to Tennessee until the end of the semester. So even if I see him on campus, you know, they'll stop and talk for 10, 15 minutes just to see if my, if my, my mental stays right or stuff like that. So it really means a lot to, you know, uh, former players, um, current players and stuff like that to be able to still be a part of the brotherhood. Absolutely. Um, I know you just said you were going there till the end of the semester. Um, any decisions or thoughts that you care to share about your next plans? Uh, no, not at this moment. I'm, um, I'm going to keep it a secret for a little bit. Um, okay. You know, I haven't made a decision yet, but I'm going to keep it a secret when I do. Um, you know, I might not even post about it. I might just pop up and just be at school, um, you know. But 
Um, you know, something that has really bugged me lately was, you know, the kind of transfer thing with a lot of people giving the hate about it. Um, you know, people say I quit or I did that, and that's not what I did at all, to be honest. It, um, it's just not what I wanted. And I wanted to stay with all my heart, and I couldn't due to um, certain reasons and stuff like that. But I'm always be a ball. I, uh, I, like I said, I really appreciate your honesty. I think all of our listeners are going to absolutely love how genuine you've been with us tonight. Um, I'm going to let the rest of the guys finish with their questions. Brian, I've got two follow-up questions. You're talking about you're still friends with a lot of people on the team. How hard is it for you to watch them play on Saturday? Uh, it's really hard. Um, you know, surprisingly, a lot of people think that I hate Tennessee or something like that, and it's not the case. I mean, I was going crazy last Saturday when handing through the jump ball to say it, or you know, when um, we got a four, we got a third down stop, we made them punt. You know, when we were in the game, I was going crazy from my living room on my couch. Um, you know, my dog was like looking at me like, "What the hell is wrong with him?" But um, it's really hard, you know, especially when it's a home game because I know that I could be out there with them and I, I messed it up and, you know, I I made the decisions that I made and I messed it up and that's why I'm not out there with them. And it sucks. It really does. And it's something you got to live with. And my second question is, and um, they were talking about Tennessee fans earlier. You know, they're, we're a little psychotic when it comes to Twitter. Well, I don't, we don't, a lot of us don't have Netflix. So I guess we get on Twitter. What what led up to that tweet where you're talking about how it's it's not y'all's team, it's my team? Was it just oh, that's people a great question? You? That's something I really wanted to talk about. Um, I think it kind of got blown out of context because the guy who I tweeted that deleted his tweet, and um, like I said, I was immature and I made a lot of decisions out of anger, and so I was just sitting in my room. In my at my apartment and i saw a lot of hate going towards jg and being that we were so close you know he was one of the first people to know about my depression and about what happened um when i almost took my life and he was one of the first people to know and he was one of the first people to come for me um so when i saw that um he kept saying and the the fan said that um you know, he keeps losing my team games and my team this. And it was just an anger thing. And obviously, it got blown out of context. And a lot of people took it the wrong way. But, um, yeah, it, it, it sucks that a lot of people still remember that, to be honest, because social media is forever. And, um, you know, I didn't mean it in any harsh ways, like, oh, like, y'all can't have opinions about the team or nobody can have opinions about what we do. But I meant it in a way, like, you're not out there like I'm sorry, but like you're not out there on the field with us. So and I'm trying to figure out where's the way ways to word this so I don't sound like a like an a-hole when I'm saying this. But um, you know, it really it was really just an anger tweet. And obviously I realized what I did and I realized I messed up and you know it was kind of too late to make an apology because everybody's gonna be like, Oh, you know, you don't mean that, you're just saying that. So we stop we get off your head essentially. So 
no, I, I'm sorry about that. Um, you know, it was a dumb thing for me to do. Um, immature stuff like that, but you know, it's something I shouldn't have said. And you know, it's just as much as y'all's team as it is our team. Y'all spend your money on us. You come watch us every Saturday. You you donate money to us. You do a lot of stuff for us, and that's something I didn't realize at the time. Perfectly said. All right. All right. Uh, uh, Dr. My puppy died when I was a kid. In in five minutes, will you ask me questions about tragedies of my life? Because everything was five, like, did you say five minutes or four minutes? <laughs> I'm like, we were like, we were like sitting there, and there was like, and then you ask him about not playing Saturday. I'm like, God, can we get darker? Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I respect the question though because it's a lot of people wonder it. Like, what do I do on Saturdays now? What do I do during the week? Like a lot, I like I get a lot of DMs asking me like what I'm doing, like if I want to come hang out, like, but you know, it really sucks, and you know, I wish that I was still out there with them and I wish that I was able to do a lot of things, but because of my actions that it affected me. I, I was just giving him a hard time. Um, I, I've never in my fandom have ever, I've never heard anybody in my fandom talk about Tennessee and get choked up. That, that really does mean a lot to me and I'm sure the rest of the people that's on this pod and it means anybody who goes to Neyland that a person could love the University of Tennessee as much as I do. And um, we all say and do stupid stuff in, in, a, in a crazy, I mean, just look at a couple of weeks ago at Ole Miss, you know. Um, yeah. We all do stupid, crazy stuff in because of fandom. And it's, it's real cool to see. I, I feel like you're genuine. You, you don't put on a front. Um, you, you, you bleed, you bleed orange and white. And, um, I know you've had your battles mentally and I've, I've been there. Honestly, I have, it's not fun at all. Um, you lay around all day sometimes and, but I don't want to get, I don't want to get dark. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm going to say this. Um, you know, I, I do bleed orange. Obviously I didn't grow up watching Tennessee. I didn't grow up knowing the Tennessee traditions, but I made it my mission when I got here to learn about it. Um, you know, I talked to a lot of the old guys, Frazier, Hawk, those are my best friends. Like two coolest guys you're probably ever going to meet is Frazier and Hawk in the equipment room and all the equipment managers, you know. A lot of people put their blood, sweat, and tears in this program and they don't get the recognition they deserve. But, um, you know, there's a reason why after my freshman year, I didn't leave. There's a reason why after last year, I didn't leave. There's a reason why, you know, when things were going bad in the middle of the season and all those transfer rumors were swirling around me and doing all the stuff that I didn't leave. Um, there's a reason why when I got pulled into the investigation, why I didn't leave. Like, I truly do love Tennessee. Like, it may not seem like it sometimes with some of the stuff I've said and some of the stuff I've posted. But I truly do. And that's something I'm always going to hold forever is that, you know, I really did give my all for Tennessee every time I was given an opportunity to. And that's why I'll, I'll, I'll consider myself a VFL, and I hope a lot of other people do as well. Um, I'm, one thing, we're 45 minutes into this, and I'm surprised we haven't got this question. But, um, like, we, those receivers that you guys played with, 
they were absolute ballers. Loved every single one of them. Loved loved Callaway. Jen, of course, Jennings is a fan favorite, and Palmer. Talk about maybe the locker room side of Jennings, maybe Callaway on the field. Talk about some of those receivers that y'all were throwing to. Uh, you know, Quez and Juwan, they were goofballs, man, and I miss them. Um, but they were natural born leaders. Um, they didn't talk a lot as far as a leader standpoint, but when they talked, you knew it meant business and you know it was serious. Like, and you know, Palmer was a real quiet, laid back guy, but that's the hardest work I've ever seen. There was times where we were coming off the practice field and I was showered and, you know, getting my dinner down to Smokies and um, heading up to watch the film. He was still on the field, walking through routes, catching. He had he had some goggles that were mind-blowing to me. They were like tunnel vision goggles almost. And he would sit there and just catch jokes with them on. And, you know, you were walking into the building. And he was already there catching balls from the equipment manager. Like, that's the type of leadership that every college football player needs. When um, when y'all come in as freshmen, um, as far as strength and conditioning, they do they come out with like a plan for maybe your body type, your position? They sit down with you and tell you what you need to put on, how much weight you need to be lifted. How does that all work? Um, it's a unique process, to be honest, because I've had two different strength staffs now. Um, obviously, it was the same when Fitz left and AJ took over because AJ was already working with Coach Fitz. But, you know, when Coach Schmidt and his staff came in, it was way different. Uh, QBs didn't bench, barbells, we dumbbells, a lot more focus on position needs. Um, but it's, it's, it's unique. Um, you have gainers, you have losers, and you have maintainers. And that's pretty much based off what you're going to work out with and how you're going to eat and how you're going to do a bunch of other things. And so, obviously, I was always in the gainer club. Hopefully, now I'm in the maintain club. Uh, I actually weighed myself this morning. I was 222. So, what would what would be your ideal weight? For me, my ideal playing weight, um, last year it was about 205. Um, you know, but now that I've really come into my body a little bit more, um, I've been working out of D1 Knoxville over in Hardin Valley. Uh, shout out to them. They've been helping me every day, you know, whether – I got to change the schedule or something like that. But um, my ideal playing weight back then was 210, but now I want to play around 225. And the thing is, I still kept my uh, speed. Um, you know, I work with a speed and conditioning coach over there. And I'm probably moving at about a four or five right now. Whoa, damn. Yeah. So I, I've been busting my ASS, to be honest. I was 203 when I started working out there. Worked weighed in this morning at two twenty two. So, would it's you a process. Um, would you rather play in maybe a pro style where you don't run the ball, or would you rather play in a spread where you keep it on the read option and all that? I want to play football. Okay, good answer. <laughs> I want to play football. And good answer. A lot of people ask me that in freshman year when I was a starter. They didn't run me a lot. Last year, I was a Wildcat QB. You know, I'm going to do what I have to do for the team, no matter what it is. I told, I mean, I'll play receiver. I'll play kicker. I don't care what I just want to play football. I was just about to ask you that. And and I'm not, and being serious, like, 
if they did come to you, if a school came to you, or let's say Tennessee came to you, do you think you could play receiver? I used to play receiver, yeah. I used to play receiver. Gotcha. gotcha. Cool. I didn't start playing QB seriously until about the 10th grade. Gotcha. So it's um it's something I thought about, especially going into last year. Um, you know, where I was kind of the odd man out and the the QB battle, you could say, where I had missed a bunch of time in the off season and I was just coming off another knee surgery and I still kept my speed somehow. I don't know how I did that. And I thought about it for like a couple of days. I was like, maybe I should just go to receiver and just try it. Like, who knows? But, you know, I'm a football player. Um, you know, I tell every coach that, you know, whenever you need me to do, I'm going to do it. Paul, buddy, anything? Uh, I had a question just as a fan, you know, every game we go to, obviously we open the tee at the beginning of the game and just how awesome of experience of that. Can you just That's kind the of ever, I don't care what anybody says. That is the coolest thing ever. I saw that video. Uh, I think it was the old Miss game of um, they did the fireworks and the light show. Damn. Pretty badass, huh? Pretty badass. So kind of going back, uh, I don't know if you remember him off the top of your head, but Dominique Wood Anderson, uh, he he was a guy who really emerged as a tight, a really big piece of our offense because we didn't have a lot of tight ends. So when you look at him and then you see guys like Jacob Warren and Princeton Fant who really play similarly, how big is it like as a quarterback to have that big of a weapon on offense? Um, it's massive. Um, you know, tight ends are naturally big bodies, but Dom was a big body. Like, you think he was 6'6"? something like that um 250 and could run like a stallion like he's a rare he's rare to be honest and um you know i wish nothing but the best for them but you know every player is different i i would say no two players are the same just like um the, the tight ends now jacob warren and princeton fan um they they play completely different and you know you have to appreciate every single player that you get to play with uh that's all i got I think the last thing I was going to touch on, I believe I saw a tweet. Um, I think it was some mom said that you were throwing football with her son or something at D1. Did I catch that? Yeah, yeah. It was, um, I think it was this past Monday, probably. Um, you know, I was just getting done with my speed work. And, you know, they were kind of in a way when I was running. And <laughs> they didn't recognize me at first when a while I was running because I kind of had my head down and my hood on. And, um, you know, right when I popped my head up and I was done running, they, you know, they were like, oh, like, oh, dang. Like, no, you like, I was like, throw me the football. Like, let's throw the football. Like, that's just like what I like to do because, like I said, growing up in Ocala, there wasn't a bunch of that. You know, you didn't often see college players coming back home. You didn't often see NFL, NF, uh, pro players coming back home. And so I was always one of those kids that just wanted to hang out with them and, you know, be able to throw the football at them. So every chance I get, that's what I'm going to do. Um, whether I have to stop my workout or not, it's something that I want to do because I want to give some kids kids hope and I want to give them someone to look up to because you never know what they're going through. And um, so that's something that's big on me is, is helping little kids and, you know, even kids my age or people in high school. Um, you know, everybody's, uh, I've had a couple people DM me and be like, yo, like, like, can you help me? Like, I want to be like you when I grow up. And I'm like, 
Like, yeah, I'll give you help, but like, don't be like me. Like, I want you to be better than me. And that's what I say. And I, I mean that. Like, and you know, even my 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 dreams are massive. Um, you know, I want them, their dreams to be bigger than mine. Just one more uh, follow up on that. Do you see yourself maybe like coaching, like later on in the future, contributing to some sort of nonprofit organization, um, anything like that later on down the road? A hundred percent. You know, my um, my stepdad was my coach when I was growing up, um, and I saw just how much impact he had on other people besides me, and that's kind of my inspiration right there. Is um, I want to be impactful in people's lives. You know, I, I don't want them to meet me once and be like, oh, like, whatever. He was just a normal person. Like, I want to be impactful. Like, I want them to remember me forever. And I want to be able to encourage them that there is hope outside of whatever you have going on. Like, it doesn't matter what you're going through. Like, you're going to make it through it. And, like, you're going to be something special one day. I love that. I think that's... um that's a great aspiration. I just wanted to say again, I greatly appreciate you coming on. Um, I think that's my, I know that's my last question. So I guess the other guys will wrap it up. It's my last question, Brian. I love your answer about the, uh, the infamous tweet about how it's your team, not our team. I mean, cause I was one of those that was mad about it. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I don't, I don't blame you at all. I don't blame you. I don't blame anybody who was mad. Yeah, I know it's been received well from what I've seen, but I appreciate your answer on that. And if you can't answer this, it's I don't think it's any like inside question, but go back to the Alabama 2019 game, the infamous JG sneak. How bad did y'all freak out on the sideline? I mean, it was like highest to highest. We're about to go in and score. I don't remember what the score was. Yeah. It's like, I'm about to have a chocolate chip cookie, but instead I've got a freaking oatmeal raisin cookie and the raisins are expired from Dollar Tree. Um, I'm, I'm going to answer that with a question to you. Um, JG was in his, what, fourth year here? Third year starting, second year starting? I believe that's right, yeah. Um, gave us all he had and got benched, right? Um, gets the chance to be the hero. You know, I think anybody in this world would take that. And I don't blame him for what he did, and I don't. I completely understand because he loved Tennessee. Like he loved it. And so like I'm I'm gonna ask this question. You you put yourself in those shoes right there. You um are you gonna do the same thing? Um Oh yeah, I mean I especially with what he went through, I, I get it. I mean, because he, he had a lot of hatred at that point. So yeah, if I take back Again, it's a different mindset for me because I'm a little bit older than y'all. Yeah, but no, hundred percent. If I, if that, I go back, why, to them, that's why. And what I, what's something I've been working on myself recently is putting myself in other people's shoes, um, trying to see their perspective of things. And that's that's why I asked you that question back was to see what your answer would be. And like, obviously, everybody was pissed off. Like, damn, like he really just did that. Like, I wasn't even on the sideline. I was in the locker room. I think I was actually in the media room because there wasn't a TV in the locker room. And my my draw was like, Jesus Christmas. Like, But again, you gotta put yourself in his shoes and what he was what he had gone through. And that's once an opportunity lifetime. Like it was 50-50. It might have worked, it might have not. 
but that's a risk as a warrior like like that you have to be willing to take and he took it and it didn't pay off but i guarantee you if he had that same if we went back in time and he had that same thing again it would work so um everybody was pissed off but you learn and you live yeah amen to that and again i want to reiterate i loved your answer on that last question about that tweet and a lot of growth on your part for sure appreciate it it's 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 been it's been a long journey for me um a lot of getting cussed out by my parents my mom my grandma um telling me to stay my ass off social media but um <laughs> you know it's something it, it was growing pains with me um you know i was never put in a spotlight where people were watching my every move and people were doing that and that's something i had to learn but it was a, it was a wrongful comment of me and it's something i wish i could take back Couple, couple things. We'll wrap it up. Uh, one, um, I'm pretty sure me and you have the same tattoo guy. Do you go Danny to Fugate? Danny? Yes, that's yes. my dude. I have, um, I have fifty tattoos, over fifty he, tattoos, probably. I got my chest, my ribs, my back, both my arms, my leg. Uh, he he told me that um, you showed up on campus with like one or something, and he's yeah. basically done the rest, right? Yeah, um, I saw. Well, I showed up. I showed up on campus um, January fifth, and I had one tattoo, and it was this one on my forearm right here. Yeah. Oh, damn! This camera slipped. It was this one on my forearm right here. And my place, Callaway, has a lot of tattoos, and so my uncle has a lot of tattoos, and you know, I kind of, I, li I like my uncle a lot, and so I was laughing when I was like, "Cliz, who does your tattoos?" He said, "Oh, this guy right here, he'll hook you up." And we hit it off ever since. And I probably had about 20 appointments before the end of the school year. And, and he's booked from, up anyway. He um, is booked up in, he anyway. Booked up. Yeah. So he um he only tattoos at night, though, because he's a yeah. scuba. He has, he has his yeah. own scuba shop and stuff like that. So uh, it's, what's he, funny, he's, got, he, he's got a cool little story, too. What's what's funny is um, I've never been a big tattoo guy. And last or was it last year? Yeah, last year, um, I just, I went at 33, I call it my midlife crisis, uh, call it my midlife crisis tattoo, and I just got a sleeve of comic, I got a comic sleeve. Well, uh, February of 2020, uh, I was in the shop, and I was talking to him, and I turned around, and there's, there's uh, Callaway, yep. and uh, Callaway is like a huge comic nerd. So he I is. had a book, I had a book right there and uh, he was like, dude, let me see this. What, you know, what is this? And I'm like, I'm just trying to get Danny to give me some ideas. And uh, long story short, um, I basically finished it, finished my sleeve. I think that's all I'm going to do. But I've, I told people all the time, I've never really believed in uh, the whole, once you get one tattoo, you get more and more. And I never really Maybe believed it. That's, that's the absolute case. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought that was pretty cool that he, um, but he like he like you said he's always booked up uh just one more thing in the spirit of halloween and before we get out of here give me your top horror movies um damn right off the top of your head right off the top of my head um that halloween movie that just came out i just watched that it's pretty good i, I don't like think it. that's yeah. top though i don't think that's top um are you into the saws like the saws was some of my favorites uh, yeah that's actually movies. my character in call of duty is a saw is a, <laughs> a, a saw character. I got you. Um, what about um, Scream? Uh, Freddy. 
I'm thinking about scary movies. Like, are we talking about Halloween movies or scary movies? Nah, in general, either. Uh, scary movies is definitely like the Insidiouses and stuff like that. But Halloween movies is definitely like Scream, Michael Myers, Jason, all that type of stuff. I can I can deal with a lot of blood and guts. Um, anything with either the devil or um, weird little dolls in like paranormal stuff is freaks me out. It's actually it's crazy. Um, I had watched that Halloween movie, the one that just came out with Michael Myers, and that night. I was asleep at probably like three o'clock in the morning and I just hear the loudest like thud and my dog starts going crazy and I'm like, man, this is the end for me. I know, I know someone's coming and I'm sitting in my bed and I'm, I'm a large guy now. Like I'm, I'm six, four, two twenty, and I'm shaking. I'm like, I'm scared as hell. Like my dog is in this cage going crazy and he never barks like in his cage, like unless he sees someone and I'm like, oh man, this is the end for me. And it, uh, it, it, right. just, it just so happened to be on the night. Oh, here he goes. It just so happened to be on the night that I watched that movie, and I was like, this could be the worst time. It. Zeus, you better stop it. I, I remember when Paranormal Activity came out. That was probably back in 2008. I was staying at a buddy's house in his guest bedroom, and I think the girl's name on the movie is like Katie or something. I felt something around me like the entire night. Like it flipped my shit. Like I was like, no, no, this ain't Ghost, no can't do it but i wanted to wanted to uh, wrap things up here um dude that was so genuine about your feelings about tennessee i really did like that a lot that was that was pure gen, uh, genuine i wish you i wish things worked out um and i know you mentioned earlier about how god um not to get too deep or whatever but god always has a plan for your life and um i've had to learn it take me it took me 30 years to figure that out and you've already figured that out at what are you 23 24 now I'm 20. Um, oh, shit. My bad. Damn. Uh, yeah, 20. Uh, but it took you 20 years to figure it out instead of me, 30. But just remember that, you know, God does have a plan for you, even though you're not where you want to be. That's not that's not on you. It's on God. That's what God, you know, has for you. And I really did appreciate that genuineness. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on the pod. And uh, I had fun this past hour learning about you. No, nah, I appreciate y'all, man. It was fun. You know, anytime you guys want me to come back on, I'm more than willing to just shoot me that DM again. Sounds good, man. All right. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate it. Former quarterback, Brian Maurer. What'd y'all think? I was um, very, very impressed with how open and genuine he was. You know, I've never sat down and listened to him, like, on many interviews or whatever, and I'm, I'm really pleased. I, I couldn't ask for a better interview and a better explanation for, you know, his, some of the things that he's went through, his tweet explanation, all of those things. I, he's a really cool guy. I wish him all the best. And I just really, I liked it. Honestly, I can't remember ever seeing, hearing him talk. I think that was like the first time I've ever heard him talk. Um, but DR? Yeah, I mean, again, not to sound like a broken tape recorder, man, but I, I love his answer about the tweet. I mean, because that was my biggest problem with him. You know, I don't like when players attack fans. I know, like, we're, we are a nutty fan base. I mean, I, I think it's cringe when people tweet at players anyway. <laughs> Just plain and simple. Uh, he seemed genuine about it, and he meant a lot of growing up. And, again, it's kind of like when he countered with his uh, question to me about how what I would have done when J.G. did that. 
a lot of it just when you get older, man, you just learn from your mistakes, kind of like what he did. And I wouldn't have tweeted it, but uh, he's learned from it. And he seemed genuine. Paul? I did not – honestly, like, no knock to him. I did not expect him to be that open about stuff. I really thought he was maybe going to be a little bit conservative. But he really, I mean, later he got emotional. Like, he gave us all of his, like, personal thoughts about everything we asked him. He was super, super nice about everything that we – Asked him. That's super cool. All right. You guys ready to kind of review uh, Alabama? Okay. Uh, good Good group. <laughs> Dynamic there. Well, do um, first or do the questions first? It's up to you. What do you want to – Doesn't matter to me. We've got a good amount of people on here right now live. I figure we'll – Okay. Maybe drop a couple questions in. Okay. Uh, you're the you're the head honcho on this. Uh... All right. So we got a few questions this week. We're gonna try and keep this going, um, but I'm not. I can't guarantee that we're gonna be able to do more than one or two for the weeks moving forward. Since it's a bye week, we're gonna answer a few. Um, so at the real WNK asked us. What is it going to take for the other 13 SEC league teams to band together and force the SEC to move the league office or the at least the instant review office out of Birmingham to Charlotte? Um, whatever order we want to answer these in. I'll, I'll take this. I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> That's basically what it boils down to. It's not going to happen. Um, Bama, Bama is – the SEC headquarters baby. They know that they can get Alabama in the playoff every single year, and that means money, right? But um, I've never really, I've never really cared about where the office is, whether it's in Alabama. I don't think that has anything to do with it. I think it has to do with more, you know, every year in year in and year out they can get Bama in the playoff and that's more money and that's more name. And that's SEC on the logo of the Bama, you know? Um, but does anybody, what's, what's, what's your thoughts, DR? Like what, as far as the SEC offices? Well, he said the other 13, it needs to be the other 11. Cause uh, I mean, Alabama does not want them out of Birmingham. And I imagine Auburn doesn't want them either. I heard on the radio, I think it was this week, but they were talking about why they're in Birmingham. They pay like a dollar rent or something like that. It's why they're there. It's a multi-million, maybe even billion-dollar company. You think they'd worry about that crap? If they ever did it, it'd have to be when Bama was down, because Bama's not going to want them to leave right now, where they're so powerful, and making the SEC so much money. Um, other than that, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a worthless task, honestly, to get band together. We need to work on the freaking officiating first. I mean, th those dollars out there, they're probably out trick or treating, trying to find a clue and candy while they're at it. And, yeah, that that is a losing battle. I think as much as you need is I don't think you should be worried about the office. I think you should be worried about the guy who's running the office. I think Greg Sankey is the biggest clown as far as commissioners goes in any professional or conference. I mean, the NFL, you could say, has a pretty good commissioner. The NBA has a great commissioner. I mean, Adam Silver is doing a great job. Uh but, I mean, Greg Sankey's a clown. He doesn't fix anything. The same mistakes are happening every year with the same officials. 
he literally suspended the crew from the Ole Miss game for the one week Tennessee's not playing. And then I think I saw where they're going to be. It might be trolling, but I think I saw that the Ole Miss crew is going to be in Lexington for our game against the Wildcats next Saturday night. So, I mean, it's just it's just mind-boggling how much of an idiot that guy can be. Yeah, I um, I pretty much agree with you guys, but this – we actually had another question that's very similar and kind of brings up the refs. Uh, D Croc 53 asked us, he said, we have seen the past two games, but, and then he put in parentheses, the past 20 years, really, how terrible the SEC officiating is. Do you think it is pure incompetence or more of a coordinated collusion? And do you think that moving the SEC office out of Birmingham to Nashville or Atlanta could help this or even swing it in Tennessee's favor? I was going to give my opinion on this one. I mean, we've had in our past some refs that are blatantly for the team that they're out on the field for. I can't remember. I think it was just a couple years ago. Of course, Vol Twitter figured it out. The guy had posted on his Facebook that he was – do you all remember the story, which uh, game yeah. that was? You we'll know – so we LSU basketball game. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Something, yes. And it all correlates. I mean, it's not just football, right? I mean, it's we've seen it in all of our sports. I've kind of touched on that. But some that is Greg Sankey. I mean, we have got to have some accountability, a better vetting process for selecting these refs, picking their games, eliminating bias. I mean, and they need to be held accountable, right? Everyone this is their job. And they should be held accountable when they make mistakes. I mean, I I think I've seen a bunch of people say their ideas, um, like maybe they should be interviewed after the game or whatever. I'll say this. Something needs to change because people do respond better when, um, say, like the refs or whoever is accountable for their mistakes, right? That's probably part of what caused all of this uh, old Miss debacle with people throwing the stuff. People are sick of it. Something needs to change. Greg Sankey, they need to get a better review team out here and figure out the bias, eliminate all that stuff, make these people accountable and pun it, penalize them if they mess up. I mean, make them review, make them take tests. They are at a national collegiate level of, of refereeing. So they need to be held accountable for their actions. I don't think the office will be moved, but Greg Sankey needs to do something besides just sitting up there on his ass is my, my two cents on the whole thing. A uh, couple things. One, I don't think this is an SEC problem. I think it's a, I think it's every sport. I watch the NFL from one o'clock on Sundays till nine o'clock before I go to bed. Right. The NFL has a major officiating problem. And my issue is that none of these guys have any clue what they're doing, for one. For two, um, the replay. And I can't remember if I mentioned on last week's pod, but, like, when, it re when replay was first introduced, it was, like, the greatest thing ever. Like, we, we're going to get all these calls right. Well, they're reviewing the play, and then they're, um, they're still getting the stuff wrong like the Matt Corral play. And I hate these garbage rules that come with replay, and there's all these little side rules, and, like, you can't replay on this time. And, like, 
Every play should be reviewable, period. There's What they should do is get um, get a headquarters, and they have access to every game on. And a side, little side note here, this shouldn't be a conference thing. This should be an NCAA thing, okay? Don't don't break down. Don't don't have the SEC be responsible for their refs. Make it make it a college football thing. And then if you want to have like, well, I, I was about to say have like an SEC official, but I don't like that idea. So just have like a headquarters of different whatever you want to do. I don't care what you do of the game, and then you have different angles. And you can see every bit of the game with all the angles, right? And then you decide what is the best outcome. I, I'm tired of this. You can't review it this time and all that. But I don't – and officiating is terrible across the board. College basketball is god-awful. You got this these refs that Tennessee gets with Valentine and the other dude who likes to make a show out of themselves. They're freaking garbage. And, um, and there it is, Tennessee again, right in the middle of it. And I hate being that fan. I really do saying that everybody's out to get us. They're, it's not. But um, – and I hate being conspiracy theory guy, and I'm, and I'm not going to be with this. But um, it, it's, it's, it's everywhere. Like, like last night watching the World Series. It's in baseball. But, I mean, whatever. DR? I mean, as far as the SEC goes, I'm going to ask you all a question. Why would Sankey fix it? He's making so much money. It's kind of like when you go to Walmart. It's a multi-billion-dollar business. They don't give a crap that we're pissed about having to do self-checkout. They're making money. They don't care until it affects the bottom line. He's not going to fix the officiating. I think I I don't know if it's necessarily all on Sankey because I mean you hire people that you expect to do good based off their resume, their credentials, and everything they know about football you can't control what they go out there and call. Like you can obviously punish them for it, which me and Lo were talking about the other day. Like something has to change. Like you have to have some sort of punishment set up to where if I go out there and blow a game for a whole, like blow a game completely for a team, I should be penalized for that. Not just because the SEC favors that team, but if it's a pattern, like we've seen, I, I'm with Leland. I hate being that fan that says shit about like, we lost because we got cheated by the refs, but like, Ole Miss, you can't tell me that Ole Miss was not the fault of terrible officiating. I mean, yeah, Hooker shouldn't have held the ball in second and third down to make it even a fourth and 24. We shouldn't have had to get 25 yards for a first down. But the fact of the matter is all that happened and we set up and make the first down and then they call it back. But, I mean, as far as Greg Sankey, I'm with DR. He's not going to change anything until money starts leaving his pockets. Unless Alabama starts losing, we stop sending an SEC team to the playoff every year. Greg Sankey isn't going to change shit, and he has no reason to change shit. Very good answers, guys. Um, next question, different topic. Sharky, I think, C-H-A-R-K-E-Y, letter P, Sharky P, asks us, how healthy do you think Hooker is and was for the Alabama game. I think you looked a little slow and a bit hesitant to take off. Maybe the knee is still banged up. Great week for a bye. Um, honestly, I thought he looked okay. Um, and I tweeted that during the game. Um, he is a spitting image of Josh Dobbs running. Like, I can't get over how – they're not like – 
they're not fast. They're like, and I don't mean this in a slight, they're like awkwardly shifty. Like they they have like a boxy style run. It's hard to explain, like, but they look like they look exactly the same. But I didn't think that Hooker looked hurt. I didn't think he looked slow. Um he um now, sometimes I feel like he's hesitant on what to do with the football. I feel like he holds the ball a lot. Uh, he takes a takes a lot of unnecessary hits. But as far as the game the other day, I think um, I think he was okay. I mean, he's he's one tough dude. Like I mean, he he's gotten hit like a lot. And um, but the bye week has come at a good time. We're thin. Uh, Mauer just said it earlier. We're thin all over the place. And the fact that we were doing Knock on wood, we've actually had pretty good luck with injuries this year. Um, but um, to get everybody rested up for this stretch run, um, I think you have to get to seven and five. I think that'd be tremendous, and that includes beating Kentucky. But I thought he was okay, uh, Dr. I mean, he's played eight straight Division One football games. He's not completely healthy. The only only people completely healthy on the team is the kickers and the coaches. Um, see, to me, I, I thought he was a little banged up. Maybe his indecision with the balls because he was banged up as far as – I don't – he had a, what, lower body injury. And I think that's why he didn't run it on some because that fourth and one, I know a lot of people speculated. I don't know what Hopple said about it, but, you know, that might have changed the – what he called on that. And as far as putting Hooker out there – or um, as far as what play he would have ran – but I mean, I, I think he's a little banged up. Again, I don't know how, how many SEC games is that now. Um, five, yeah, five. So he's gonna be banged up. I mean, he's gotten killed. You know, a lot of games are because our offense line's banged up. If your offense line's banged up, your quarterback's gonna get banged up. And we got walk-ons out there, you know, trying their best. So that's all I got. I think Hooker's health is. Kind of a similar similar situation to it's a completely different sport. I hate to do this, but like Derrick Rose, like he could never come back because it was more of a mental thing, and you don't have that. Like you always have that in the back of the head when you roll out. Like Tua Tagovailoa, do you guys remember uh, when they played LSU in 2019 and he had that fumble just because he was running so awkwardly? It's not necessarily he was still injured. It's the fact that that injury is so early and so soon. It's still in the back of your head that even if you are 100%, you're not going to move the same way knowing that, like, your ACL is, like, one juke away from tearing. Like, you're bruised up, your knee's bruised. And looking at it, like, at being at the game and seeing Hooker go down in the final play against uh, Ole Miss, I thought he tore his ACL. The way he was holding it, he was limping terrible. He was not putting any pressure on it. But I think he's going to be fine. I mean, like DR said, no one's this, no one is healthy other than the kickers and coaches. I mean, that was a great uh, example uh, you're playing Division One football, and you're playing. And right now, Tennessee only has starters. If you really think about it, so everybody's playing 75 to 100 plays a game. You're not going to have healthy players this late into the season with such little depth. Yeah, I definitely agree with all of you guys. Um, the only thing I, Leland brought it up earlier. I I did notice just a little bit of hesitancy, which is totally. Um, valid considering he I believe he's injured both knees if I'm not mistaken and that when he went down at the Ole Miss game um one thing that I do have to say is even though he was hesitant I love 
I think he said something like I was not going to let my team down. I think that is so tough. Uh, he gave a super gutsy performance. I don't think we can fault him for that at all, but only just respect him for it. Um, last question. At can, I, can I stop you there for just one second? Yeah. Uh, to piggyback off this, here's something that I haven't heard anybody talk about. Who's your depth now with Harrison Bailey out has took a shot because if, if, if Hooker goes through injuries, you got Milton. Who's your who's your who's your third guy now? So that's something to, to kind of keep Wildcat. an eye on. Yeah, yeah, that's something <laughs> to kind of keep your eye out going forward. Is that's an interesting? I don't even know if there's a walk on. I don't know if there's another scholarship guy. Spencer I, I Smith, maybe. Who? Spencer Smith. He's a senior. He's been on the team since like Garen Thomas freshman year. Never heard of him. Yeah. Well, as far as the walk-on goes, Hopple, didn't he bring in a guy from Central Florida at the beginning of the year? No clue. I have no I'm idea. say he did. Then you got Jimmy the Jet, if you have to, which he's he's been my quarterback since day one anyway. Well, next question. Uh, last question here. At 4VolCulture says or ask, is asking us for the remain, seeing the remainder of what is left on our schedule – is Tennessee ranked at the end of the season if we beat Kentucky and lose to Georgia and then went out between South Alabama and Vanderbilt at the end? So when you first told us about that question, I was like, no, I don't really think so. But I'm sitting here, I just looked up the rankings, and check this out. There's SMU is ranked, um, UTSA. I have no clue who that is. I'm watched college football all my life. I have UT. Oh, it's the Roadrunners. Oh, okay. They're eight zero in Conference USA. Never heard of them. Sounds like a creative team off NCAA fourteen. Um, they have um, Coastal Carolina, BYU, um, some other receiving votes. Louisiana, Houston. So after seeing Arizona State, uh, Appalachian State, like after seeing all this, I think we can be ranked. Um, the the resume um, after beating Kentucky is not that great with Vanderbilt and South Alabama. But if, if one thing that I've noticed is that if you're on a winning streak, you seem to get a lot more people's attention. So maybe if we're on a winning streak after um, uh, let's say Georgia or, or whatever, or we put, if we give Georgia somewhat kind of like an Alabama top game, uh, maybe we could be ranked, but I'm going to go with yes. I was just doing some uh, research. I kind of agree with Leland at first. I thought, no, nah, seven and five, we don't deserve it. But I'm looking, if you look at the five of who we would lose to, rankings right now, that would be a loss to number three, Alabama, number one, Georgia, number 17, Pitt, number 10, Ole Miss. And I couldn't find Florida on the rankings. Uh, and that would include a win over number 12, Kentucky. So, yeah, I think you'd have to rank us. And I'm, That's it. You know, That's a damn good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so you would lose to four out of five. And, you know, odds are Florida, they're going to lose to Georgia, but they'll probably beat Florida State and whoever the other game is. But they'll probably get a bump for being SEC and be ranked. So your five losses be ranked teams with a win over a top 15 team. So I'd say, yeah. I would think if it wasn't Tennessee, I would say we're ranked if we beat Kentucky, uh, lose to Georgia beat South Alabama and beat Vanderbilt. I don't think we're ranked at the end of the year, 
But I think if we win our bowl game, we're definitely in the top 25 to start next season. So that's where I'm kind of going to go with it. Uh, my answer, I'm kind of – God, I was really iffy on this. I think that we would have to, like, beat Kentucky by probably 10 and then really play Georgia really close. Um, and then, of course, we still have to get the job done against South Alabama and Vanderbilt. And just because it's Tennessee, I really – I'm iffy. We might squeak in at, like, number 24 or 25. Um, but I do kind of agree with Paul – if we get to like a solid bowl game against a good opponent and win, I think, you know, if we're returning, of course we don't know Hooker's status yet, um, which I do like his answer, by the way. I like the game-by-game -game answer that he gave us. But if we return him, if we return Evans, I do think we would probably open in the top 25 next season. But it's just been a weird year in, in all of football everywhere i mean there's been so many upsets so i i can't really answer that 100 percent. i would like to see us ranked at the end but i would rather just see these guys get like a really solid well-deserved bowl game and i don't really care about the rankings after that if they win out and they've already surpassed my expectations so i think we're gonna have leland take us to our next topic there's a before we get to that. There's an ongoing joke about Tennessee schedule every year that we play the team that it's usually the joke is like we usually get the team out of the West, and in years past before we get get, get them scheduled they suck and then we they're scheduled. Well, everybody thought that Pitt was going to be mediocre. Now look at them. They just beat you know well Clemson's not nothing but it's they're a name. But it's just funny how after all of that joke is continuing. But actually next year in Pitt, I think someone said they lose 27 uh, seniors or something. Like we owe them an ass beat next year. And uh, next year's schedule is a little harder, I think, than this year's. But we can start out the season next year ranked maybe maybe a good showing in a bowl game or something. But, um, yeah, we can get to, get to Alabama. I did want to jump in real quick. People did dog me for saying we were going to take our first loss to Pitt way back. They thought we, they were like, Pitt is a worthless team. And I said, I feel like that was going to be our first loss and they will probably be ranked. And here we are. So just a Go ahead, Dale. I can't stand a negaball. Can you? Yeah. I was just about to say, isn't there a difference between being negative and being realistic, huh? There is. I don't know how long we're going to go on that rant, but I think y'all <laughs> know when I'm being just a shit stir and actually being serious. And everyone else may not, but I think y'all do. I, I picked Pitt to win just based off because we were home. That's. I figured we were even teams. And the way the game started, given being spotted 10 points, we should have beat them looking back. I don't care what, I don't care what Pitt has now. And after all that said, we should have beat we should have beat them straight up. Okay, let's talk about Alabama. Um, let's see here. I guess we just do general. You just want to do general one time, do our little uh, Halloween thing, and then get out. So, uh, Paul, uh, talk about Alabama there. I've actually been on Twitter here lately after this Alabama game, and I've seen a lot of hate on Hendon Hooker, and. It's so unprecedented. Like, how spoiled are you? He went 19 for 28, 282, touch, 282 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. 
I don't even think we scored three total touchdowns against Alabama in the past two years. I'm pretty sure we lost like 45 to 7 and 52 to 13 or some shit like that. So we're like, how spoiled are we as ball fans that we finally have a good quarterback and expect him to play like a god every game behind a busted O-line? Tyon Evans was not healthy. If you watched that game, you saw Tyon Evans was not 100%. Jabari Small is not good enough to be a premier back yet. I don't. I think he's going to make strides if, once he comes back next year. And I, just how – how spoiled are you to hate on Hendon Hooker after him going out there, a knee contusion, he probably doesn't feel the best physically, and he still goes out there and plays a hell of a game. And that one interception was really not his fault. It was a miscommunication with the receiver. And then another comment I really want to make is how much I love number 94. I cannot remember his name off the top of my head, but he straight up, like Henry went to dap him up, and he said, he basically told him to go the fuck away from me and walk to the locker room, and I love that shit. I love the, the rivalry that we still have with Alabama. And, I mean, I don't believe Butch or – well, Butch did it in 2015, but I, I know Pruitt and Dooley did not take Alabama to the fourth quarter with 10 minutes left. Trailing Alabama seven going into the fourth quarter, I hate moral victories as much as the next guy. But in a year one hypo with the thinnest talent in Division Division one football, taking the third-ranked team – who has been the national championship every other year at least to the fourth quarter in your first year with a program that the year before went three and seven and has sanctions over your head and you still have this team buying into a culture that you created in less than a year. I mean, I just think it speaks volume about how qualified and how good how good a shape we're in with Heupel. Yeah, overall I thought, you know, they obviously played with really – you know, with conviction, they had heart. Um, I have some key things that I felt like made made huge differences in the game. Um, we only had 64 rushing yards for the entire game. That's massive. 12 penalties. And we were 2 of 12 on third down on offense. But on third down on defense, too, I mean, both – that was just really rough to watch. But again, I mean, we've talked, we, I mean, we've talked about it enough to know our depth level. Um, one thing that kind of killed me was when we blocked that punt and I believe we got it on the 12 yard line. And I think that was the fourth and one that DR brought up earlier, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I felt like that should have been automatic points, and I know no one probably cares how I feel because I'm not out there on the field. But it killed me to only get three instead of seven out of that. Um, I think, you know, moving forward, that'll be something that we'll obviously learn in time. Um, and I do feel like I, that's one of the plays that I noticed. Hooker seemed just slightly hesitant or more hesitant than he has been in the past, whether to run or pass or what to do. But again, you know, he's played phenomenal in my opinion. You can't ask anything more. Um, and then the other, the, the other major thing was that we, our time of possession was 19 minutes, 34 seconds. To Alabama's 40 minutes and 26 seconds. Think about how exhausted our defense must have been. I mean, even just to be out on the field at that point is kind of enough for me. I bet they were totally gassed. But overall, I was this. This was exciting for me to watch. It was the most we scored against Alabama since two thousand and three, and 
kudos to Hypel and this staff for just giving us some excitement and against Alabama. I mean, we were at up, we were playing at Alabama. You know, I everyone always says moral victories, this or whatever. Two thousand three. I mean, that is so. That's probably like right when I started watching the Vols play, or probably even after that, honestly. So you got to give some credit there. Overall, I'm excited about where we're going, and that's my little summary. Uh, kind of about want to bounce off what Paul said. I don't know, Paul, if it's being spoiled or we're just burnt. We watched five years of JG. I mean, I know me, the first time Milton overthrew it, I thought, oh, God, here we go again. And kind of look what happened. Um, so I, I really think it's more just people burn out and scared to death, honestly, with being spoiled. Uh, like Lowe was talking about, you know, that's the most points we scored on Bama since 03. Moral victory or not, but we were – it was 14 minutes left in the fourth quarter, and we were down by seven, and I was invested against Alabama, and I never thought that would be the case. Because halftime, I don't watch the second half of Alabama because what's the point? We're getting blitz blitzkrieged out there. Uh, negative is the obvious answer, the third down. Third down was ridiculous. They were 15 for 20 on third down. Of their 574 yards – 248 came on third down and that's a killer it's like first and second down man we're superman and third down's kryptonite i think a lot of that's linebacker play honestly um and here's an interesting thing i heard um on that fourth down call that Loa had mentioned earlier the analytics have backed up hypel every fourth down call he's made every year except for that one the analytics showed he needed to go for it and he didn't go for it um and kick returns, you know, we had Bayless back there calling a fair catch or whoever it was. You're playing Alabama, you got to steal some points or steal some yards at least. And I, I thought we should have went for a little bit more on those kick returns. Y'all keep stealing my thunder on your stuff. I think y'all stole like two questions from Maurer and then my 2003 scoring stat. I thought it was a genius because I came up with it. But um, so um, – I mentioned in last week's pod how I thought we were going to throw a punch or two. I figured it was going to be like a typical Tennessee first quarter, get up maybe 10 to nothing, and all hell would break loose. But, dude, they freaking battled till the third freaking quarter. Like, I want to cheer in the streets for it. I don't give a damn. I don't care. in the streets because we battled Alabama for three quarters. Okay, so – that's all great and everything. And we we went toe-to-toe with them without any depth and all this and that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little negativity here. So as much as we love Hopple and he's been awesome in the first couple of games, all these, what are we, four and four or whatever, so eight games or whatever. So he has nothing to lose this year. Okay. Why are we punting the ball on fourth and one and you know lay lay your lay your testes out on the table and let's go get the first down and I know I know in the first quarter we or the second quarter we missed like a couple third and ones or fourth and ones whatever it was (coughs) and well first off I didn't like the play call um I thought you could be, could have been a little bit more creative with those with those plays, but all these coaches want to talk about analytics and and I don't know if Hopple's into that and all that, but you 
statistically or percentages wise, you have a better chance of winning a football game if you are more aggressive. You add like eight to thirteen percent you winning the football game if you go for it on fourth and one. Like like think about it. Like, okay, they have a Heisman candidate. We have Finn on on defense. Let's get let's punt them the football. How stupid is that? Like I don't I don't understand that. But I didn't like that. But we fought our asses off, and I've made this comment a thousand times. We have duct tape and misfits on the defense. They're out there running running around. I know you you know how many times have you know we we gotten a punt block because our dumbass coach we we out schemed Nick Saban. And I told somebody this the other day. I said, you said, this might be a hot take to some people, but I thought Hopple outcoached Nick Saban. Nick Saban just had the talent Saturday. He out-schemed him. And uh, how many times can you say that? You can't say it often, but um, we uh, – just wait. Just wait. I'm worried about his recruiting some. Let's get up in the recruiting rankings. But, but once Hopple gets some Jimmy and Joes in the program – those games will be going deep into the fourth quarter and not stopping at the third quarter. But it was a fun game to watch. I mean, when ha- when was the last time a Bama game was like that? It was Butch's, Butch's 2015 season. And um, Bama's defense is not what it was. They I mean, they have the players, but they don't. They're just missing something. And, and uh, Lo, you mentioned time of possession. I've mentioned this a thousand times. Why would you go fast? And I know it's part of the offense. But why would you go fast against a team that goes fast when your defense is thin? Like, I don't really understand that. And um, But we can move on from Bama. Got a bye week. Got Kentucky next week. Kentucky might be – I said it about Pitt, but um, about being a program changer. I hate to say Kentucky might – the Kentucky game might be a program changer because Kentucky is like the, um, the kid that slobbers on the school bus. He just happened to look good one day, and he's talking trash to you. But um, but be, they're number twelve. Give give them props. Um, but uh, we can move on um, from that. Anybody else got anything about Bama or anything in general before we do our little Halloween theme? Someone, um, one of our listeners did say I thought it was an interesting take. I just wanted to give them credit. Uh, at Yankee Dog 13 said he thinks Bayless is reluctant on bringing kicks out because of his major involvement in the offense, which I thought was an interesting perspective. Uh, I just wanted he doesn't need to be back there returning kicks. That doesn't need to be his job if he's afraid of not. Or if he's afraid of getting hurt, he doesn't need to be in the game. I mean, plain and simple. You can't play afraid to hurt or afraid to get hurt or else you're not going to make plays that you should have made. Somebody said that – so I want to make an announcement about my curtains. People, somebody said they were talking shit in the comments. So, yes, these are the curtains from when uh, Lincoln got shot at the theater. Um, so just lay off my curtains. They're at the grandma house that I have. So just – they'll be replaced soon. Thank you very much. But uh, – we can move on to our little Halloween segment. So I want to say one more gonna, about uh, go ahead. Uh, 
I'm so happy we have a coach who's just not going to back down to bullshit. Like, he, he is like, if you're going to fuck me over, I'm going to make your life hell for fucking me over. Like, him, him getting in the faces of the refs, I know some fans are like, keep your composure. Why are you yelling at them? Like, shut up. They suck. Like, these refs are fucking him over and over again. You can't just take it without Lou. You got to at least fight for it. All right, ready to – anybody else? Okay, so a little Halloween thing before we head out. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some of our favorite uh, Halloween candy. Uh, we'll talk about uh, some of our favorites and just trash, straight trash. What you got, Paul? The worst. I'm sorry, the best actually. The best candy, in my opinion, is Snickers. Snickers is my favorite. Reese's Cup and Hershey, the big Hershey almond bars that people will hand out there, like about as big as my forehead and I got a pretty big ass forehead. So that's pretty cool. And then I think the worst is that, uh, that the, the Krabby Patty things that the, the gummy Krabby Patty <laughs> shit, they're always stale. They're never flavored. They just taste like a tire. Like they're just so bad. All right. I went all out for this one. I broke mine down into favorite chocolate which is Twix or Butterfinger, uh, favorite fruity candies, which are Rainbow Nerds, Laffy Taffy, and Skittles. And then my surprise favorite that a lot of people shit on is hot tamales. I love hot tamales. I'm obsessed with them. I will like go to bat for them. If y'all don't like them, you just can't handle the heat. I, I, that's one of my favorites. All right, well, for my favorites, I went a little different because I figured Butterfingers, stuff like that would be mentioned, but the pumpkin-shaped Reese's is the GOAT. Uh, I like the mini-sized cookies and cream bars. Uh, whatchamacallit, you ever heard of whatchamacallit? It's not really Halloween candy, but I like it, that and Zero Bar. Now, my least favorite, um, I don't like fruity candy, um, black licorice, circus peanuts, and the worst is that taffy and the orange and black wrapper. I feel like that's probably what they served at the Berlin Wall at the last Halloween there. And last one, and this is going to offend one of our listeners, and I apologize, but Death of the Vol is probably his favorite, or Val, however he spells it. It's probably his favorite. I don't like anything that's uh, shaped in the form of uh, male genitalia that are gummies. I uh, don't like that, and I'm sorry, Death of the Vol. You seem like you like that, but I'll never eat that. So I, fo I focus more on some of my stuff is, is the worst. A little side note, one time when I went trick-or-treating, I got handed out toothbrushes and pennies, and I wish bad things to that freaking house. So as far as worst, and me and Mike Leach, I don't know if y'all heard Mike Leach rants the last couple of days, but he can't stand candy corn. So I have this thing that if you like candy corn, you have at least four or five dead bodies in your freezer because you're a psychopath. So anybody who likes candy corn. So I learned something today because I was looking this list up. DR, those little um, orange and black wrappers, which is garbage. And they're usually in the candy dish of like that weird ant that smokes like six packs of cigarettes a day and has like the brown couch. And you go over there and, and she's like chain smoking. Those are actually called peanut butter kisses. I never knew that. But those, I would rather... Um, 
I'm not gonna say that. Um, I would I would rather eat dirt than those. Uh, but some of my other ones, uh, bottle caps, garbage. You go to the Dollar Tree. You want to you, you find you know there's a difference between movie theater mo- uh, candy and um, and uh, Halloween candy. But you can go and get your you sneak you sneak candy in the movie theater. You're not going to get bottle caps. So hot tamales, low, sorry, trash. I don't like anything spicy, especially my candy. That's a weird combination. So this might be a fan favorite, but it's absolutely trash because it's always hard as a brick. Tootsie Rolls. Can't stand Tootsie Rolls. Now, I will say this. The fruity flavors of Tootsie Rolls, the ones that are like blue and pink, the bomb. I can eat. A, I can get diabetes off those. Um, do, y'all, do y'all know now when um, I used to go through my trick-or-treat candy, about two weeks after I went trick-or-treating, all the chocolate would be gone, and you would be left with stuff like, like uh, Laffy Taffy and uh, uh, Pixie Sticks and all that. So this, this one right here, Sixlets, it's like the six balls in, in the little package, and you can like put them in your mouth and go like that, and they're like, oh, <laughs> those are garbage, right? They're, like, they're chocolate, I guess. Those are trash. I don't know if y'all know what Bit of Honey is. But it's that little yellow wrapper thing, and they're always hard as a brick. Those are trash. And then a popular, maybe a popular one, a well-known one that's pretty bad, is Paydays. Too much nuts. I love caramel. Um, But the Paydays, but as far as my favorites, typical. I love Reese's Anything, Snickers Twix, Kit Kats, Nerds. I love Heath Bars. I could eat Heath Bars all day. And, uh... I'm basically the only one who likes Twizzlers. I like Twizzlers in every flavor except for, of course, the black licorice. But um, that's that's my list. So uh, glad to hear y'all. Uh, we had a good night tonight, I think, let's see, an hour 46. Um, again, thanks to um, Greg Sankey as a cuck on the, on the headline there. That's funny. Uh, so anybody else got anything to say? Thanks to uh, Maurer for coming on. That was a good interview. Anybody else got anything to say? I was just going to – just say I've had an awesome time, awesome time interviewing. Um, I don't, I'm still advocate for the hot tamale thing, not gonna lie. But other than that, I think I'm done and solid podcast. Okay, DR. Um, great podcast. I will say, low, it doesn't surprise me you picked us to beat Florida, so I'm not surprised <laughs> you like hot tamales either. All right, Paul, anything? Uh, I'm going to say I hope everybody enjoys the bye week. Get your livers well rested because we got four more games left. So let's get ready. All right. Everybody out.